the Dead Pair Podcast is energized by KL Ammo Game Boy US. Oh. Welcome to the Dead Pair Podcast, coming in hot with everything you want to hear about sporting clays. Guy Fieri. How are you, gentlemen? Thanks for having me. Anthony Matteris Jr., how you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty well. Welcome back, David Radulovic. That's a net positive. <laughs> Brad Kidd. Corey Cruz. Thank you for joining us this evening. Now I feel awkward. With your hosts, Jason Rambo. One more Red Bull for you. And Sean Alley. Woo, yeah! It's Christmas. Let's do it! Often imitated, but never duplicated. It's the Dead Pair Podcast. Dead and now, it's showtime. Holy cow, Sean Alley. Can you believe, can you even just start to believe this is show number 100? Yeah, when you say it like that, it's like, <laughs> where did the last 99 episodes go? Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, we've had some video stuff in between, uh, you know, both with the clinic and the Q for C's and everything, but actual audio pocket show 100. Yeah. And this one makes it all the more special because this is something we've been talking about forever and working on yep. forever. And we just never really thought that we were to the point where. We were going to be able to just, you and I basically come on here and lay a show down. Uh, yeah. Both of us are pretty humble. I mean, yeah. you know, we've been around the sport for a while now. But after talking with some of the pros and the other people in the in the industry, they were they were 100% behind us doing this. You know, and that's so refreshing. Gratifying. It is. <laughs> it's like, who knew that we knew stuff? Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> you know, um, Mark Baltazar made a comment to me Um because you know that I was part of the super squad hosting mm-hmm. uh, for the nationals. And he made a comment to me. He goes, you guys don't realize how much people hold you guys in, re- in high regard. I know. And I'm like, really? And he's like, you guys don't see it because you're just, you're just you. You're yeah. just doing your thing. Just and Sean you and Jason. Don't think anything of it. Right. But a lot of people give weight to what you say. And it's like, wow, thanks for the pressure. Yeah. Well, and, <laughs> you know, and we've seen it at shoots and stuff. We go to some of these big shoots. I mean, it's always really nice to have listeners come up to us and shake our hands and, yeah. and tell us how, you know, they really enjoy the show and they listen to us all the time and, you know, yada, yada, yada. So, so when the busy days of banners flying out the door and kid doesn't show up to help that day and all that, stuff, it kind of puts all this in perspective to make you want to get in here and do it again. It does. It? Cause yeah. it really makes me feel good. It makes me feel like we're doing something worthwhile. And that yeah. was the whole point of starting this podcast. Yes. Yeah. Because, absolutely. because we didn't have that when we started. Right. So we thought, Hey, we could probably help people that are trying to get in the sport and then at the same time, grow the sport at the same time. So, yes. So speaking of helping people, yeah, we have what you have deemed as the path, the path. Yes. The path. I, and this has been a, a very long collective work. We've, we've thought long and hard about this, about what we were going to say. And we've tried to simplify it down to where it's not going to be overly technical. Yeah. But just basically a path to get you from here to there based on where you are right now in the game. Uh, and understanding yourself as a shooter. Yes, yes. So yes. let me let me lay the smack down because everybody's scratching their heads going, okay, what's this all about? So right. this is going to be a four-part series. Um, trust me, we're going to have lots of podcasts in between, but we are going to lay this down. Uh, part number one is categorizing shooters. Yes. And just so you people know, um, I ran this past Anthony Matteris. Mm-hmm. We had him on the phone. Right. And I told him our idea, and he was all about it. Yep. I couldn't believe it. I mean, I was like, wow, he's actually validating what I'm saying. So episode one is categorizing shooters. Uh, we've broken that into four parts. Of course, leave it to Radulovich to try and add a fifth. Um, and then part two is setting goals mm-hmm. uh, for your shooting. Part three is analyzing the goals and your performance as a shooter. And then part four is going to be setting new goals and planning shoots. So whether you're in category one or four, I'm hoping that you get something out of this. And, you know, maybe if you are way more experienced than Sean and I, and you are in the upper echelon and the high category, maybe this makes you take a good look in the mirror. Maybe well, this helps in that way. And I think that the podcast is coming out at a good time. It's the end of the year. Uh, most people start kind of evaluating where they're at, what right. they're going to do next year, what shoots they're planning on going to. So I think this kind of goes hand in hand sure. with the end of year plan and, you know, being able to move forward in the next following year. So, so what do you think, Sean? Let's dive right into it. You want to let's uh... let's do it. Uh, so we're going to, we're going to talk about categorizing shooters because we feel it's so important to know 
not for bragging rights or anything, but it's it's important to know where you're at in the sport compared to other shooters. Right. So we broke it down into four categories or categories. I'm sorry, four categories. Yeah. So um, category, category one. Go ahead, Jason. Yeah, category one is a recreational shooter, and this is this was something that was really really enjoyable to Sean and I. Mm-hmm. Um, this was you know the the very beginning stage. This was sporting clays in its purest form. Um, Sean, you and I used to go out with dad and his buddies and bust clay targets. There was no mention or thought of a tournament. No. And it was all about, it's something to do outside of work, outside of family. Um, it could be that, Hey, you, you work for a company that bought a couple squads at a Ronald McDonald shoot yeah, and you went out to a charity shoot, to a charity shoot or, or whatever charity shoot. Yeah. And you went out for the first time and shot a shotgun at some clay birds, and you thought, "Man, this is a lot of fun." And now this became your round of golf every Sunday, right? Or, or it could every be other Sunday, or, or it could be the the bird hunter or the bunny hunter or whatever that thought, "Well, what can I do to kind of train or practice in the off season before hunting season sure. comes?" Because we've had plenty of friends like that, absolutely, uh, that, that have come along and said, "You know, this is really good practice for me uh, because I only pick my gun up during hunting season," right? So and we still have friends that have been shooting with us clear, since clear back in the nineties. Yes, that only enjoy the game at this level, right? And they, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, they might go to their club uh, once a month with their buddies, just like they're going out for a foursome at golf. Um, again, this is a weekend uh, event. They're going out and having fun. It's low key. We're not talking about tournaments. We're not right. talking about anything serious. It's about maybe bragging rights. Right. Or a small, you know, 10 or $20 bet amongst a group of guys that it's going out just to a regular club and shooting club targets for the fun of it. And I think it's, I think it's notable here that this is how most of the pros got started. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, this is how actually all of us got started. And I mean, unless you just looked at that and say, I want to start competing, you know? Um, Well, it's definitely one of those sports that if you've never done it, you've probably not seen it like, cause it's not, typically televised. You may have seen some YouTube videos or something like that, but you have to go out and experience it. And once you do, I would say most people probably love it or can see the appeal of it. Sure. There might be some that don't, but again, this is level one. Yeah. And let's, let's understand something here before we get going on up to the next level. This is just simply understanding what level you're at. Yes. And we're going to try to explain these levels. So, you'll understand what it takes if you want to go to the next level. Correct. Or maybe you're at level one and you're really loving this and you really want to dive in and go to the dark side and go all the way up to level four. By breaking these categories down, or I'm, let, me, let me rephrase that. By breaking shooters into these categories, it helps you understand where you are as a shooter and if you want to be that next level, what it's going to take to get to that next level, um, whether it's the expense, the practice, the training, the equipment, all of that, we're going to bring all of that up yeah. here. So category one, recreational shooter, uh, again, some highlights here. This is a really fun stage. Um, this is sporting clays in its purest form and it's where everybody started. Right. Um, so, and there's nothing wrong. Let me, let me be very clear on that. There is nothing wrong with staying in any one of the categories that you're in. Absolutely not. It's just, we're trying to break it down to dial it in to understand for, for the listener to understand where they're at. Where so you're at. Right. level one, you're not shooting tournaments. Category one. Category one, I'm sorry. <laughs> Category one, you're not shooting tournaments. You're probably not even registered with the NSCA. I mean, it doesn't really matter one way or the other. But the point of it is you're enjoying the game because it's fun. Right. Period. Right. So what's up next here, Sean? Category two. Category two. Now, this is a step up from category one. So now category two is probably, in my eyes, the guy that went out and for a while he's been shooting recreationally, having a good time. But now he's interested to dive a little bit deeper, going a little deeper into the pool. And he's thinking, okay, well, maybe I can go ahead and start getting a little more serious about this. And he's starting to really think about what he can do to participate more Mm -hmm. or what do I need to do to get involved more in some of the local shoots and stuff. 
This is where the turn to the dark side can happen. This is the slippery slope, people. <laughs> yes. And this is what we push so much on this show, right? Yes. So if you are the recreational shooter, we want you to try a tournament. Yeah. But the dangerous thing is, is that this level, I think so many people have the wrong idea that simply spending money makes them better. Yeah. And this is... And this is where me and Jason got tripped up. Yeah. This is where we need to pay real close attention to how and where you spend your money because... This is the phase at which you could spend time and money in the wrong direction, right, Sean? I mean, that mm-hmm. we did it right, and that will hinder your abilities moving forward. So um, if you're the occasional tournament guy, that's all you want to seek, then there's, you know, there's nothing wrong with sticking around here in Category 2. But if you've, just like I said, if you're Category 1 or 2 here, and you want to go to the next level, this is where you need to be careful. Yes. Because we were the Category 1 guy. We dipped our toes into Category 2, and it was, oh, boy, put the pedal to the floor. We're going all the way up. And, boy, did we spend money in the wrong place. Well, and, again, you don't know what you don't know. But that's why we have the Dead Pair Podcast. Exactly. So, basically, what we're saying is Category 2, you've probably got to the point where you're fine with going out and shooting recreationally with your friends and buddies or whatever. But now it's like, okay, I've now become a member of the NSCA and now I'm actually going to go out and compete in tournaments. And it could just be your local tournaments, maybe, maybe a local club or two. Yeah. So if you compete, but you just stay local, maybe you only hit your club every once in a while, the club that's an hour down the road. Mm Mm-hmm. I'd say you're definitely category two. Right. Um, if you enjoy the charity shoot, uh, the local tur- the local club throws a tournament every once in a while you go to, you're a category two. Yeah, and you've got a and group of friends maybe that you go out with regularly like what we did. Yeah. And, and you all compete or participate in these tournaments because it's fun, but also you want to gauge yourself. You want to have a measuring stick to see how yes. good you are. That's, yep. that's where the whole flip of the switch yes. happens between level or category one and category two. Yes. And if, uh, if you're a guy, this is where your wife starts to scratch your head and wonder what's going on with the checking account. <laughs> so, yes. Uh, but you know, again, this is where you need to be careful. Um, if you're enjoying yourself in this category, by all means, there's n- again, guys, there's nothing wrong with this. If you're wanting to go up, this is where you need to pay close attention to where you spend your money, how you spend your money. Be very careful. Do your research because we didn't. Yeah. Is it too early to start to talk about gear? We want to save that a little bit late for later. Um, no, I mean, we can talk about gear through this whole thing. I don't think, I don't think just moving up in categories means you need to spend more money. I know people that are in a category one that have a gun that's three times more expensive than mine. Right. But, but but typically a category one guy is like, okay, I've got my my pheasant gun or my bird gun or my duck gun or whatever, right. and, and I use it to hunt with, and I'm going to go out, or I just have a shotgun, whatever, and I'm just going to go out and bust some clays with it. It's, mm-hmm. not a, it's not necessarily a target gun. Right. It's not necessarily a high-dollar gun. Could they have that? Sure. Why not? Everybody's got different financial you know right. situations. But the point of it is, is that... As long as you got safety glasses, ear protection, and a shotgun and a, and a box of shells, you can go out and shoot. Right? right. Period. That's that's category one. Don't get me wrong. We hope that you find value in our sponsors that we keep pushing mm-hmm. and their products. But it's okay if you've only got a pump gun or you know your dad's eleven hundred or eleven eighty seven or something, and you, it's a, there's nothing wrong with that. That's right. But once you but, go to category two, <laughs> well, you're still you might still might have the same gun. But now you're probably looking a little bit harder at like, do I really need a shooting vest, or do I need a, a dedicated shell bag? I'm not putting the po- the shells in my pocket of my coat, right? You know, what I mean, maybe I've got a a little bit better set of target glasses. But now we this is this is where <laughs> this is where the keyboard warriors will beat you up. I know, I know. Um, but but I'm just saying this is pretty me, typical. It's like once you yeah. get serious, right? Well, what do I need to get better? Well, you need some good glasses. Well, okay. here let me let me make this statement about equipment. Okay. The national championship was just one with a $1,600 gun. Absolutely. Nah, let me back that up. It was, I'm sure it was a Cole pro. It may have been a $3,000 gun, but it's still an a 400, still an a 400, not a $12,000 Krieg off. Right. So you don't need that to compete at the top level. You, when I say you don't need that, you don't need the $35,000 super scroll, whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I promise you, 
little Joe Finese had backup parts or even a backup gun with him. Probably. Okay. Let me make this statement real, real clear about equipment here. It's not the the dollar amount of the equipment that's the problem with spending money in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. The dollar amount spent wasting shelves and targets if you don't know what you're doing is where the money can go in the wrong direction so if you're in category two and you're wanting to move up and you're wanting to take more and more or you want to take tournaments more and more serious this is where i think the value of a good instructor or coach comes into play and i and i also think that not to interrupt you but i also think that the way you need to look at this is most of us have a budget to work with. We don't have unlimited funds. Right. Right. So if you're a category two shooter, you're trying to up your game. And let's say you've got a, a dollar amount, a couple thousand dollars a year that you can spend on this sport at category two, which I wouldn't be. I mean, again, there's always going to be exceptions to the rule that people have unlimited income and, and that kind of stuff. And, and this might not necessarily apply to them. But if you're trying to figure out the best ways to spend your dollars to get better at this sport, Jason and I have said it time and time again, even at category two, you're going to learn more with a coach that can get you proper instruction right. and maybe fix some of the bad habits that you that you may have as being just a hunter or a recreational shooter. And then you're getting a little bit more serious. You're starting to learn about hold points and break points and how your stance and swing and everything works together. This is where you're getting a little more serious, but not super serious. Right. You know I mean? You're, you're learning. You're learning at this point. Yeah. Um, that's well said, um, back to the equipment side of things. It's been proven time and time again. It doesn't matter what the gun is. It doesn't really necessarily matter what the shells are or the vest or the shell bag or the glasses to, that's not going to make you break. It'll help. It's not going to make you break the target. I guess you got to be careful in saying that most of the time it doesn't matter. Most of the time. I said most of the time. Most of the time. Remember, we're still on category two here. Yep. We're talking about the guy that shoots the charity tournament and the you know, a tournament at his local club. Yep. He's an NSCA member. He does shoot some registered maybe, tournaments. Maybe he is. Maybe yeah, maybe he is, maybe he isn't. But at the same time, I think at this level He or she you, he or she has got enough passion for the game. Right. That or they have a competitive spirit that right. they're wanting to gauge themselves and see where they stack up against other shooters. This is where you kind of figure out, do I want to keep going from here? Yes. Yeah. So, again, understanding where you're at, understanding what you have, Mm -hmm. understanding what it's going to take to get to the next level. Right. So, here we go. Category three. This is where Sean and I are. Yes. Okay. Now, let me break down category three. This is someone that loves competing, does some traveling. You know, like Sean and I, we hit some of the big shoots. Um, we grab the occasional regional. Uh, Sean, we're going down to Jack Links in February. Yep. We hit the U.S. Um, Open this year. U.S. Open, Nationals. Of course, we're going to hit the state. We hit all of our local tournaments. Um, you know, th- this is getting way more involved than the guy that's just hitting a charity shoot and a occasional tournament at local and, club. And the expense of this level is drastically more oh boy. than level two. And oh that's, boy. that's where you got to really say, I love this game. This is my, I mean, because some people, golfing is all they do. Yes. Other guys, they have a, a bass boat and they spend all their money doing tournament fishing and stuff like that. This is kind of where me and Jason are at. This is our hobby. Yes. This is what we enjoy doing. And we're going to take it as seriously as we possibly can with right. the time and resources that we have to commit to the game. Right. And and by doing that, we're we're out there kind of rubbing elbows with the guys that do it all the time as a profession. Yes. But we're nowhere near where they are. Yes, exactly. <laughs> to clarify. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is also probably the stage where good instruction is most rewarding. Yeah. Um choosing a coach can sometimes be more important than just seeking out the occasional instruction. Yes. You know what I mean? Where is your category one and you just want to be able to beat your buddies on the weekend and get that $20 bet that everybody laid down. Yep. You know, a, a coach to point you in somewhere the right direction can make a big difference. Yes. You know, we're not going to talk about scores here. Okay. Cause target setters and local clubs that can all, that's all variable. That can all deviate that stuff. Yeah. All right. But, 
you know, the occasional instruction, that's a good thing. But if you're in stage three, this is where a good coach is going to make or break the difference, I think. And I think that it's been said on here many times before um, that you can spend a lot of money on ammo to learn how to shoot, but you can save that money by paying a coach to show you the shortcuts. Absolutely. And that's, that's a value right there. It's, it's not that you can't get there on your own, but how long do you want it to take and how much do you want to spend on ammo and practice? Well, you know, in that same breath, practice and training become much more important in category three. It does because, because yeah, go ahead, Sean. You don't want to show up to one of these big shoots and, and get completely embarrassed. Now, Jason and I have had our bad days. Oh, boy. <laughs> Believe me. I mean, uh, none of us thought we were going to be competitive at the U S open, but we just didn't realize just how hard that was going to be. And that was an eye opening experience. And now we know if we ever go back that, you know, it's going to take some time and we really ought to do some hardcore practice to the weeks leading up or the months leading up to that. If we're, if we're going to try to do our best. Yeah, exactly. You know, it kind of reminds me when we went from stage category one to category two, when we dove off and we shot our first registered tournament and we were just fresh NSCA members Remember how me, you, and JD looked at each other, jaws dropped, wide-eyed, going, oh, my God. Yeah, these aren't the same tar- targets we've been shooting at the club on the weekends. No, I had that same feeling at the U.S. Open five years later. Yes. Just this past. <laughs> just Boy, this howdy. Time. Yeah, hello. Yeah. But, no, seriously, uh, Category 3, this is where practice and training is much more important. Here's something for you. Following these podcasts becomes more important than just the entertainment value. Yes, because of the little nuggets of wisdom that flow out of the pros and the the other shooters that we have on the the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and and it's not just that, the industry people. Yeah. You know, if you're a Category 1 guy looking cool in a bear pelt, that's all you care about. Right. Okay. But if you're a Category 3 guy, now it's about the function of that bear pelt. Right. That makes a difference. Not just looking the part, but, you know, not just walking or not just talking the talk, but walking the walk. Right. So. So if you're category one and you're used to shooting Walmart ammo and all of a sudden you come up on that 35, 40 yard crosser and you want to show your buddies how you can really smoke it, you drop in a couple white goals. Wow, it's impressive. Right. Yep. Okay. Well, guess what? Now you're in category three. You better have some good equipment. Yeah. It, it, it pays dividends. And I think that. We've, we've talked to all kinds of people at all different levels. There was a time that I couldn't fathom spending, you know, over a hundred dollars on a pair of shooting glasses. Why would I ever spend that kind of money? Right. Also, there was a time that I would never spent $10,000 on a shotgun, (laughs) but here I am. So with that said, there has to be a reason, not just a a want, but a reason and a need that you feel that that's important. And, there are advantages to being able to see out of a good set of shooting glasses in different lighting conditions. And that's why most of the, the high end shooters wear what they wear. You know, there's a reason it's not just your $25 Walmart safety glasses, which there's nothing wrong with. Right. They do the job, but so let's, let's break that down in a ranger perspective. Okay. If you're in category one, maybe just kind of dipping into category two, Maybe those new dusters are all you need. Yeah, $100 pair of glasses, and that's going to give you a good advantage, good clarity. It's going to help the target come out of the background better. Of course, you're going to be safe. Of course, you're going to be safe. I mean, that's that's, right. that's the number one thing why you wear safety glasses. But number two, it's the ability of the lens right. to work with the lighting conditions in the background Absolutely. and be able to make that target clearer. Because if you can <laughs> see the target clearer, you can usually hit it more than if you can't see it as clear. Right. So now we're going to step into stage two, like solid stage two. Yep. Well, the Ranger with the clear sight lenses is an excellent choice. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you're going to go to three or four, category three or four. Now we're talking about the reacts. Now you got to have a pair of reacts. Yep. Now listen. I, I, again, I can't stress this enough when it comes to equipment. Don't send us hate mail about yeah. this, guys. This is We're just trying to break this down to, to be able to gauge the different categories. I'm not saying that you have to have the best equipment to compete at the top. Yep. Let me, I probably, I need to just rewind that and play that again. If you're, if you're a category one guy and you've got unlimited funds, good on you. Go do, get, do whatever you want to do. Do whatever you want to do. 
If you're a Category 4 guy and you don't find the value in high-dollar equipment, that's fine, too. Yep. Make, just make sure you're safe. Right. Make sure you have some ANSI-approved safety glasses and go out there and whack them, man. Exactly. Prove us wrong. But if you're trying to get better at the game... If there's you're trying nothing to nothing wrong with investing in good equipment. Yes, if you're trying to find the little edges that will help your game, glasses are one of the things that help. Yes. Good ammo, no matter what the manufacturer, good competition grade ammo. Absolutely. Helps, especially at further targets. I'm not saying you can't go out and break a 50-yard crosser with a Walmart box of Federals. That's not what we're saying here. But there's a there's a reason why the competition shells cost what they do. The materials are better. The consistency's better, and and overall they're manufactured to do a specific job, and that's what Absolutely. you're paying for. And the same thing goes for the guns. Yes. Um. So we're talking category three here. Category three. This is where mental training becomes important. It does because I think at this point we've learned how to shoot for the most part. We understand the things we should be doing, making our plan, hold point, break point. You've understand how by this point in the game you've understood how to read a target correct and, and you're and you're also listening to what maybe some of the top level shooters are saying and understanding or why, your coach or your coach and you're and you're listening to them and you're saying okay i understand why they are saying this and why they're talking about this versus a level one or even a level two shooter who may not fully grasp why it's important right to shoot in the subconscious Versus the conscious mind, as right. Anthony would say. Yep, exactly. This is also where budgeting becomes a priority. Oh, boy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, time yeah. off work for shoots. Um, traveling becomes much more important. Hotels, rental cars. Right. Planning, budgeting, goal setting. They all become a priority at this stage. Yes, yes. I keep saying stage. I meant category. Yep. Uh, but in this category, you know, we just got done saying where Sean and I are going to the bigger shoots. You know, we enjoy regionals. We enjoy the nationals, the U.S. Open, the state shoots, the big money blasts. And we'd love to go to all of them, but the reality of it is we there only have so much time and That's we only right. have so much money. That's right. So being able to plan, budget, and set goals for all these shoots becomes much more important in Category 3. Yes. Which is where we're at right now. So um need to understand that you know and we're hoping that this next episode of setting goals that's coming up here um will will help with a lot of that um and we'll we'll discuss some of the budget stuff too mm -hmm. in that episode because god knows that it's expensive right now to travel um it's yeah. shells are expensive just over the last couple of years since covid hit i mean the the whole world's upside down and everything costs more everything's more yeah. expensive and uh it's hard for everybody. Most of us live with a budget. You know, we got more yeah. obligations at home, you know, and work and our personal lives. And this is something we do as a hobby, as a, as a fun recreation. And uh, how much do you put towards that? You know, I, I can it's remember. You. You know, let's think about this for a second. We just had Robert Crow on from White Flower here recently. Mm -hmm. And um, he talked about the increased cost of everything. Yes. Okay. Most registered targets nowadays I don't, I don't care where you're at in the country. I mean, $75 is cheap. I mean, yeah, I was going to say, cheap. think back, Jason, when our when we shot our very first uh, tournament, which was at Cardinal, I believe. No, no, no. I can go back farther than that. Well, I know you can, but I'm just saying, when, when you came to, to me and JD and said, hey, let's, let's, become NSCA, uh, let's become NSCA members, let's go shoot registered tournaments, and we're looking at you like, what? Yeah, and it was sixty five dollars. Sixty five dollars to go shoot a hundred bird at two thousand seventeen. In two thousand seventeen, fast forward to today, and that same tournament's eighty five dollars. Right. Okay. So now that's that, only twenty bucks. That's only but, twenty bucks. But if you're doing twenty, thirty, forty, fifty tournaments a year, now let's see. There, you can go down a rabbit hole here. I know, but I'm just okay, saying it so adds I'm up. Thinking, My point is, it adds up. Right. So, I was looking at our Jack Links. Registration the other day. Mm -hmm. We've got the North Prelim. Uh, okay, I don't remember all the names. There's like the North Prelim, the Blue Prelim, the Wednesday Red Prelim, the freaking Super Sporting, the main event, all this other stuff. So it's not just 100 birds. Right, right. At this level, you're going to go to a big competition. Nationals is a perfect example. 300 targets for the main. 
fee task is 100 targets. There's 400. The K-Cup. The K-Cup's 100 targets. The Breda that's Challenge. 500. The Breda Challenge, that's another 100 targets. That's 600. That doesn't include a super, or well, that is a super sport. It doesn't include a five stand. doesn't include a sub gauge. And you know what else it doesn't include? The ammo prices. Or the food. Because remember, in 2017, we could buy a good box of shells for about five or six bucks. That same box of shells today is 10 or $11. Yeah, you can only buy half a box for that price. Exactly. So your, your cost so, in the shells have almost doubled. But just to, just to for the guy that's at level two, I, we're not trying to scare you off. No. There's a lot of reward to spending this kind of money. But nationals, perfect example, flight, hotel room. Mm-hmm. rental car mm-hmm. gas mm-hmm. food ammo the golf cart was ridiculous the golf I cart mean, was like what six eight hundred bucks i can't remember 867 dollars. right so he, he, the point of it is i mean when you go even if you just go by yourself or even if you can go with somebody and split the cost you're talking about thousands of dollars just for that one event right and again we're not trying to scare anybody we just want you to understand yeah that's Part of the white reason why we're doing this is understanding what category you're in, understanding what it's going to take to get to the next category. So let's break that down real quick, Sean, if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. Let's go from category two to three. If you're in category two and you want to come to category three, what differences, don't break it down exact, but I'm saying in generalize, what differences is it going to take? Okay, I can tell you one right now, your level of coaching is going to go up. Yeah, and your level of commitment. Your level of commitment. Your level of time off work. Mm-hmm. Your level of budgets. Well, because not only are you going to spend money for coaching, but you also have to go and practice after and you train. Have, and train. Right. And train, you know, or otherwise when you go back to your coaching, I say, what'd you do? Oh, I didn't do anything. Right. Well, that's not good. Yeah. So uh, if you're a guy that wants to put the gun in the safe between tournaments and not touch it, if you're a guy that wants to go to an instructor and take a lesson and go back to him three months later and you haven't done squat, this level three is not for you. Right. Exactly. Right. So, okay, the amount of shells you shoot, your travel expenses, the amount of time off work, your amount of dedication to the sport is what dictates your difference between category two and category three. I think so. Yeah. And, and, and let's be clear too, because I also don't want to give people the wrong impression. So, we're not saying necessarily that you have to spend the money at this level to do that. But if you're going to be competitive at this level, you're going to have to invest in yourself, invest in your equipment yeah. and spend money. Yeah. It's all on what you want. Exactly. If you don't care what your score is, which I can't fathom being at level three and not caring what your score, I can't, yeah. I can't imagine being at level two, maybe level one. It doesn't matter other than your bragging rights about your buddies. But at this level, you love the sport enough to where you really care about your scores and you're trying to improve. You're trying to grow. You're trying to become a better shooter. Right. Absolutely. Um, We're going to get on to Category 4 here in just a second, Sean. we got to take a quick break. Got a real quick sponsor segment to do. We're going to come back and we're going to get into Category 4. And we have a guest that has allowed us to record part of the phone conversation we had. Mm Mm-hmm. We got a little excerpt, I guess you can call it. This isn't a guest that's coming on to sit and talk to us. This is an excerpt. They allowed us to record their phone conversation. We're going to play part of it for you right when we come back. All right, folks, this is the man that I want to grow up to be. The snowbird from Virginia that goes and spends half his year in Florida shooting sporting clades, Harlan Seymour. How are you, sir? I'm great. Harlan, great to have you on the show. Yeah, we were, we were talking just before we got you on here, and uh, that must be a pretty good way to go, man. You spend your uh, summers in Virginia and then your winters in Florida. That's got to be a, a nice round year. <laughs> it's the best of both worlds. <laughs> so I take it when you were in Florida, you must have come across uh, Wooly Shooting or, or met John at some point. Am I correct in that? That's correct. Actually, I met him in Dallas, Texas. Okay. I was over there and uh, for a wedding and saw that he was putting on a seminar and actually shot with him for the first time there. Nice. So what was your first uh, interaction with John? Were you there for lessons or did you pick up a firearm or what? Tell us a little bit about the background. No, it's, it was lessons. And uh, 
but I bought uh, multiple firearms from John also. Okay. Gotcha. So do you compete often? Well, I compete um, infrequently. Okay. I wouldn't say often. Okay. Um, I, I, I really enjoy shooting sporting clays, but I don't want to spend the time to do the competition that's necessary to really compete. Mm-hmm. I gotcha. Well, there's, no, there's nothing wrong with that. As long as you're enjoying the sport, you know, that's awesome. Um, you said you've bought firearms, plural from John. Tell us, tell us about some of those experiences. I mean, obviously we don't want to hear any numbers or anything, but man, tell us about some of the cool guns you brought from him. <laughs> well, I bought a lot. Uh, I bought one for my wife, uh, Cesar Garini, and I bought many Cesar Garinis from him myself. And uh, and I bought a Zoli that one seventy five anniversary edition. Oh wow! Just last year, those so. are gorgeous. Yeah, it was. It's a great gun. So tell us about you know interacting with John or whoever helped you out at Woolly Shooting. I mean, did they take care of you? Did they answer your questions? I mean, kind of just walk us through the experience. Well, that's what I love about the experience is you go in there and it's just not here. Look at the gun and and it's great and you want to buy it. Um, John usually is the one who's involved and he has me mount the gun and make sure it fits properly and that it works for me and that it's going to be something that uh, I'll enjoy shooting well into the future. It's not just taken off the wall and, and sold to me, which I've had many experiences for. Mm -hmm. And, um, and everyone there does that, whether it's, uh, Nick or Jonathan or Abby, they're all shooters and they all, um, know what it means to buy a gun and uh and it's more than just uh, purchasing it and it, it needs to fit properly and they all do that gotcha well definitely sounds like they're taking their time with you and making sure that you're purchasing the right gun for the right need so that's good absolutely it's good so have you bought anything outside of shotguns from john i have not i'm just a shotgunner Okay. <laughs> I didn't know if maybe you got a self-defense pistol or something like that. I was just wondering. So no, I have not. Now you have primarily dealt with the Florida location, right? Or have you got anything from San Antonio? I have not. It's all been Florida because okay. obviously I have a home there and spend a lot of time shooting there. So no, it's just been Florida. Awesome. Well, I know, you know, for a lot of people listening to this and they're, they're wanting to step into that higher end firearm it can be kind of intimidating, you know, going up to a booth at a big shoot or going into a store. What would you say to that person and to ease their mind about going and seeing Wooly Shooting Inc.? Well, I, I guess the best thing I'd say is that he's competent and he's not going to put you into a gun that doesn't work for you. And he's going to listen to what you have to say and, and guide his uh, recommendation based on what you say. Okay. I mean, he listens a lot to what you have to say. I, I take a lot of lessons from John, and and John says, "What do you want to work on?" And that's what we go do. So he's a listener, and then tries to execute on what you try and uh, try and work towards. So um, I compliment him on that. So kind of maybe to sum that up would be like a no pressure situation, whether it's through lessons or buying a firearm. There's no pressure involved in it. They want to they want to fill your needs, not tell you what you need. They absolutely have no pressure at all. There's none whatsoever. Gotcha. Well, if anybody was thinking about going there and buying a gun, any last minute words or thoughts uh, that you would tell somebody that, you know, put their mind at ease? No, I just recommend that they go and take a look. I mean, again, he's going to walk you through it. He's going to explain it to you. And if you don't buy it, you don't buy it. If you do, um, you know, good for you. (laughs) <laughs> right but in your case no regrets at all right everything's been good I mean, none I, I haven't regretted any gun i've bought from john okay none. gotcha that's awesome cool well harlan thank you so much for taking the time to tell us all uh, about your experience with woolly shooting i'm sure john will be very happy as well as nick and jonathan uh, and everybody else there well thank you again sir we appreciate it and uh maybe we'll catch you down there this winter in florida hope so Come shooting. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. All right. Take care, Harlan. Thank you. Uh, Okay. Thank you. Bye. Uh, Bye Bye-bye. We're back. We are back and ready to go to the big boy. Category for the top level competitor. Yeah. And Jason, I just want to preface this right now. We are not a category four shooter. No, no, but we, I think we've had, 
enough conversations with, and experience with, with category four stories. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, both on and off the mic. Um, but we do understand what it takes to be there. You know, this is your top level competitor. This is where if you're a working guy and you think, man, I can, you know, this guy shoot for a living. No, nobody shoots for a living. Um, but if you're looking at the guys at the top, take David, Kevin, Anthony, Corey, name any of them, right? And you work a nine to five job or whatever. This is where the Matt Miller and Clint Hinton podcasts are a must listen. Absolutely. Because they've made it into category four working full-time jobs with the family. They made it happen. Yes. So it, it can happen. Yes. But, you know, most people at this level are fully immersed in the sport. I mean, they are neck deep. Yeah, and it takes a level of dedication. I mean, Jason and I would both love to be uh, Category 4 shooters, but the reality of it is, the brutal reality of it is, is that the amount of time, the amount of resources are just a little bit beyond our grasp at this moment. Right. Things could change down the road. We don't know. Possibly. But at the same time, we're honest. Yeah, and, and realistic with ourselves, and I'm fine being a category three shooter. I mean, I'm, I'm enjoying the I sport. I'm, I'm serious enough to where, you know, I feel like I'm a I'm a competitor. Right. I, I've learned stuff. I've taken you know coaching lessons and stuff, and and learned a lot about the sport. Now, it's one thing to learn and know about this sport; it's another thing to master it. Oh boy, I, you'll never master the sport. No, but I'm just saying. That I mean, I, I listen. I don't think even Anthony or even George Digweed has mastered this sport. I don't think that's ever possible. Yes, uh, there's too many variables. So again, we're not trying to preach about a level four or a category four shooter. Sorry, I keep saying level four, a category shoot, a category four shooter, because we aren't there. But we do have people yeah. in our, uh, well, in our circle. Yes. That were able to guide us and advise us on how to talk about this. Right. You know, and not everybody that's a category four shooter is like a full-time coach and that's all they do for a living. You know, think of guys like Chris Ferris. Um, they still devote much of their free time to training, practicing, competing. Um, you know, and this, again, this is also the pinnacle level when it comes to budget. Mm -hmm. um, you know, as you're going to be spending a lot of money on shells, travel, tournaments, coaching, mental training, equipment. Um, and when I say equipment, this is, goes back to, like, look at little Joe Finese, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, he's got an A400, whatever he paid for, whatever. He's got backup parts. He's probably got a backup gun. Yep. Because that's an automatic, right? It's going to fail. Because he doesn't want to go out there and not have a plan B should something go wrong. Right. When We're, you're, you know, he won the Jack Links Cup last year. I know. When you're on the line with that kind of money, you can't go, well, my firing pin just broke. Yeah, and I got six stations to go. I got six stations to go. Having a backup in the golf cart to where you can get right back in the box is... Huge versus, uh oh, I got to stop my shoot and this is going to affect my score overall because I can't right. get back in it. Yeah. So, but that's, you know, that's where, again, that's where equipment becomes a little bit more prevalent. Um, this also means a lot of sacrifices, dude. I mean, all your free time is going to go into uh, training, uh, practicing. Um, yeah, because to be competitive at this level, that's what it takes. Yeah. You know, these guys, a lot of them are sponsored. Right. A lot of them make money off of their performance. Um, a lot of them chase the All-American punches. A lot, of them, a lot of them want to be on Team USA. Well, a lot of them that are coaches rely on their accolades to get new students to come to them. Yeah, and create income. Right. But my point with sacrifices, you know, and I know I keep picking on little Joe Finese. I say a little, he's taller than I am. Um Young Joe Finese. Young Joe Finese. There you go. Joe was out practicing when all of his friends were out partying. Yes. Yeah. You know, when it was pouring down rain and his buddies were playing video games, he was standing out there in the rain practicing targets. Yes, he was. You know, when his buddies were going to the Friday night football game, he was out under the lights practicing. Mm -hmm. He sacrificed a lot mm -hmm. to get to where he is. And I don't think anybody, again, going back to Matt Miller uh, Chad Roberts, you know, any of those guys, you ask them, they sacrifice a lot Yes, to get to where they are. You, you know, take rad Chad. He'd rather be out on a surfboard 
but he's pounding targets. Yep. Right now, because he's it's important to it. It's exactly. important to him. It's just, it's you know, he's wrapped a lot into it. So yeah. Um, and, and this is also where, if we want to touch on equipment. At this level, uh, I mean, we don't want to generalize and say that everybody's sponsored at this level because they're not. No. But a lot of your top shooters are getting help from factory vendors, um, you know, whether they're getting maybe a discount on ammo right. or they're getting help with a shotgun or eyeglasses or ear protection or right. whatever. They're getting help. You know, they're, they're getting some assistance because their name means enough to represent the brand and that way they're coming in behind them and, and trying to help them in that way. Yeah. And let's, let's understand something here about each one of these categories. I know we're at the top and we're talking about the top right now, but the level of commitment for each category is based on your personal goals, mm-hmm. how much time you have to offer to the sport and also your finances. Yes. And you know, if, if you can only afford to be at a level two, that's Okay. Enjoy yeah. the sport for what it is, man. I mean, just just enjoy it. Have fun with your friends and and be all you can be, you know. Um, but if you are able to afford a level three or a level four, like I said, understand the level of commitment it's going to take to maintain that level. And there's also, I think, a broad spectrum within each category. You know, category three, category four. There's going to be people in the top of category three that you could almost probably put in category four. And then there's right. also people at the lower levels of category three that could almost be in the high twos. Yes. So, you know, yes. it, again, we're painting this with a very, very broad brush, but overall it's to help you as a listener, as a shooter to understand where you are in the game, because moving forward, we're going to talk about the goals. We're going to talk about the things you need to do while you're in that category and also what you need to do to move up to the next category. Well, and, you know, and that's well said, Sean, I was just about to say that, through all of these categories, understanding that wanting to move up a category and able to move up a category are two different things. I, I 100% agree. You know, let's use me for an example. I'm in category three. I would love to be in a category four. The reality is I don't have the finances. I don't have the time or the ability to move up to that level. Yeah, same with me. And, yeah. and when I say ability, it's not physical ability. It's... Again, finances, time. Yeah. Are you going to go out and put 500 rounds down your gun every week? You better put more than that. I know, but I'm well, just saying. Well, it depends on your Again, strength. It's, it's time but, and resources. Right. right. It all boils down exactly. to time and resources. So if you're not willing to at least go to that level, then don't expect that you're going to get up there to that Category 4. Right. Well, hey, listen, we were very fortunate that David allowed us to record a phone conversation with him. And we're going to play excerpts from that phone conversation. This is kind of weird. Now, I have him on as a guest, but we we were had a little phone conversation with him. We asked him a few questions, and he spewed some stuff here that I think you guys are going to find interesting. Yeah, and really, at the end of it, you really need to listen hard because he hinted around it might be one more category that we may have missed. Yeah, yeah. But that's a oh boy, that's in a whole another round. Uh, yeah, and that's that's a very elite group right, right. there. But let's let's listen to David real quick. Yeah, so I think that your categories are good. Uh, you know, um, I, I would say that I would probably add add one to the top, and uh, and I would pull basically about ten to twenty guys that are in your top category out of it to have their own category because it's just a totally different approach to the game, where. Um, the you know essentially i i would look at what you're considering category four to be people uh, essentially the people that are I, I almost wouldn't even consider everybody that makes all american points in that category M- maybe i would um i think that might be a biased opinion based off of where i grew up being in ohio that it was basically impossible to be on the all-american team no matter how much you won uh just because of the you know the seasons of everything but um, I look at basically, you know, category four people are essentially the guys that are, that are looking to make like team USA, uh, to represent the country and go over to a world championship. And in order to do that, you have to hit all the regionals. And when you're going to the regionals, your goal and your expectation of yourself is to have success, whether it be in your class or your concurrent category. Um, 
and that's what I would consider category four. But there's a group of people, you know, like myself, Wendell, Anthony Mattery, Zach Kimbaum, Joe Finizzi, um, the, the those guys that essentially have to be put in a different category because, you know, uh, and you could categorize it in a couple different ways. I, I, I would categorize it of basically if you pay your bills from shooting as opposed to if the money that you make goes into shooting. Um, and uh, because in order to be competitive in that group or to approach the game in the same way that the people in that group have to approach it, you literally have to live and breathe shooting. You know, I said earlier, you know, for myself, for the past 20 some years, 100% of my life has been the sport where in, you know, when, how many people in this that shoot sporting clays can say that the first thing that they start thinking about every day when they wake up is shooting. And when they're at work, what they think about for 100% of the hours that they're at work is shooting or something involved with shooting. And then when they're done with work, the hundred percent of what they're thinking about for their hobby or for their whatever they want to do to entertain themselves is shooting or how to get better with shooting or what to do to improve or what tournament to go to or using that as a filter to determine where they're going to spend their money um, and making it using that as a sounding board for all the decisions that they make for their life of what shoots do i go to can i go to this can i go to my best friend's wedding because i have this tournament on the same date type thing you know uh, the sacrifices that people make in that category are much different because that is shooting is the top priority over every other thing and if you want to be part in that a part of that group or category of competitors in this sport then the what you have to understand um, about the way that you need to approach this game is that there cannot be anything else more important because if there is anything else more important, you will not be competitive in that group and you won't be successful competing amongst those people. And, and the thing that's very important to, to um, have as a salient part of your, of your thought process in this, meaning like the thing that you have to always consider when going through these categories and and you know as you guys progress through this podcast series you're going to be talking about all the different groups of and of competitors and categories of people and there's two different types of people that personality wise there's people that uh no matter what they do the moment that they start it they say i want to be the category five guy and then there's types of people that they explore, they try something out like, Oh, this is fun. And then they do a little bit more and slowly over time, gradually their commitment level changes sometimes by accident, sometimes by decision. And, um, and they accidentally find themselves in category three. And then they get to a point where they can make the decision. Oh, I'm either going to be three or four. Well, uh, I'm either going to stay here. I'm going to progress into category four. Let me make the decision to commit more and do more and try to get into category four. And so the, those two different types of people take a much different path throughout that whole process from the very beginning. Because if you're a guy that says, I'm looking, I just sold my business and, you know, I'm 35 years old and I'm worth, you know, millions of dollars. I have all the time in the world and, and I want shooting to be the next thing that I do. And I have students like this and, and okay, and you've never done it before, then immediately from the start as a category one person in this game, you're going to need to, you're going to go buy a Parazzi. You're going to go start to only shoot, you know, game bore ammunition. You're going to buy your own traps to practice with on your property. You're going to immediately hire somebody like myself to coach you from category one into category five. And all the time and money that you spend is going to be on this sport. But if you do it differently and you get into it by accident from a corporate event with your 
with your company. You're like, well, hell, that was a lot of fun. And then you just randomly do it for a few years, you know, two to three times a year. And then you find out outside of your outside of your work, you can go to tournaments, you do that. And you just accidentally just keep getting more committed to the sport. You're not going to make the same decisions because you're going to start off being very conservative and cost. You're going to buy a cheap gun to start with because you're wanting to save money. And then you're going to realize that that gun is holding you back. So you make a slightly more bigger investment than a more bigger investment. Then maybe you'll join a private club. There's two, you know, so there's two different pathways to this. If you're the type of person that, um, you know, that goes into it saying like, I understand what category five is or, and the difference between four and five, then, then there, I mean, there is a massive difference because you, you can be a category four guy with a real job. You cannot be a category five guy with anything other than shooting and being the vast majority of your life. That that's probably the best explanation we've ever heard. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess yeah. we got to add another category, Sean. Well, yeah, we don't know what we don't know, Jason. Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I, I think for the vast majority, you know, based on what you just said, categorizing yourself one through four is pretty relevant, right? Yeah. And like I said, there's, there's 10, maybe 10 to 20. I mean, I say 10 to 20 being very conservative in terms of people that are in category five, that that'd be like saying, that'd be like me saying, I want to be, I want to be Tiger Woods, you know, or Roger Federer just retired this week. I'm going to, I want to go be the next Roger Federer in tennis. Not very many people do that. And there are not very many people that hold that level of of proficiency in anything. So if you want to be a category right. five, you are literally the, you know, the 1% of the 1% in that sport. And it's so much different. And the thing about it is that it's, it shouldn't, no matter what level of commitment that you want to make in this game, that decision is only yours to make. And, and it can't be judged as a coach. I have students who who have made the conscious decision. And I know they have because the very first conversation I ever have with them is essentially this, where do you want to be in this game? And because dependent on your answer to that question, I will need to coach you differently because if you say I, 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 and if you, if your answer is, I don't know, because I don't know what it takes to get to each level, then I'll sit out and explain it to you. But if you do know what it will take, and then you do know, what you're able to put into it and you make the decision of saying I can be a four, but I only want to be a three, uh, or I really want to be a four, but I can only be a three. Right. Um, the, if you, once you make that decision, then how I approach instructing you will be different because, uh, and, and so, and I, so when you tell me, look, I, I want to be a category two kind of shooter, then that's not the wrong answer. I'm a number five, right? But when someone tells me they want to be a two, that's not anything to be discouraged about or embarrassed about. People play this game because it's fun. I'm a category five because to me, this is more fun than anything else. But I'm, you know, it, it, uh, there's other people, I have other students who, you know, world famous, whatever they are, or have very successful businesses, and they have gotten to the best in what they do. Because that to them is more fun than anything else. And this is an escape from that when they want the free time. So there's no wrong answer to that question. But the thing about it is that you, you should and you need to know your answer to that question. And you should talk to somebody that knows what is required to be in each category, def define the category and understand what it takes to get there, which is why it's so cool that you guys are doing this podcast, um, this podcast series. And then, you know, work with somebody to get you where you need to go or where you want to go, I should say. Um, because the best way that I can explain things to you, th that I can explain this, this um, symbiotic thing to you is, is, let me just compare. If I had a student that came to me and said, immediately said, David, I sold my business. I'm worth, you know, uh, basically limitless amount of money. I could write you a, if you, if you could tell me it would cost X amount of money to get to number five, I would write you a check 
right now for it. And I could afford that easily. And I have all the time and I want to do that. And I will commit everything I can to do that. If that's what I have from somebody compared to somebody that says I'm a number one and I just want to get to a number three, I'm going to teach the guy that wants to get to number five way differently that wants to get than the guy that wants to get to number three. Because what I'm going to do for the guy that wants to get to number five and understands what it takes and is willing to commit and makes the long-term commitment is that I'm going to teach him a lot of things that are going to hurt him early on because they're going to make it so much more challenging for him to be proficient that it's going to overtrain him so he'll be much better. I'm basically going to, it's like resistance training. You know, you're, you're training for something harder than what you need. So that way, when you get there, you have the ability to perform at that level. But the problem is that in the short term, it's going to hurt that guy. But if I have a guy that's number one and wants to go to three, if I teach him like the guy that is at number one and wants to go to five and is already committed to that, then he's going to get so discouraged early on because it's so hard and it's hurting his score that he's not going to have fun. And it's going to ruin the reason why he wants to be a number three, which is because it's fun. And it says an escape from work. So I have to teach him in a way that's going to immediately show him success, but will never allow him to get to number five or four. But that's because that's okay because he doesn't want to be that way. If that makes sense. Well, Sean, I don't know. Do we add a five? Um, I, I mean, I guess it's it's one thing. I mean, what David said was absolutely full of merit. It's just that I think there's so few people in that category. Yeah. It's not going to relate to probably our listening audience. Well, I mean, he said, you know, if you're willing to miss your buddy's wedding or you have to miss your buddy's wedding because you have to attend a shoot. Yeah, to, to earn your... Your you level know, five. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, I think that's well said. There's... Or if you, when you get up in the morning and everything you do is think about shooting or your work revolves around shooting or you make your income slowly from shooting, that's a level five. And, and he's right. There's yeah. not a lot of people that do that. I mean, you and I are prime examples. We both have jobs. We have other responsibilities. If we hit the lotto and had millions of dollars in the bank, I'm sure we would do a lot more than what we're doing now. Well, yeah, I can promise you that. But it's just that in the reality of life, we can't. Right. So... Yes, I guess if you want to put it out there and say there is, quote unquote, a level five, it's fine to recognize that. But again, neither you or I are qualified to talk about that. And uh, maybe David was was just kind enough to kind of say that in addition to the four, there's probably just one more little peak of the mountain that we didn't really consider. Right. And that's fine. That's why we have people like him on. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. For sure. And thank you to David for spend some time with us um yes it's only a couple times a year that he answers his phone so um (laughs) so um hey something real quick one thing and i'm sure there's probably somebody pounding their fist right now listen to this we did not intentionally forget about you shooting it's just that this is more for the guy that's not under mom and dad's roof yes under their funding under their budget under their schedule yeah this this is mainly for people that are on their own living their life making their way in the world yeah and how do you budget time and money and resources to do this sport right whereas you know the, the 12 13 14 15 year old kid well from 8 to 18 whatever you know they're out there doing it and we're not taking anything away from them. No, no discredit to them. But they don't have to worry about how the bills are getting paid, so to speak. Right. Because really I mean, all they're doing is going to school and, and shooting. Yeah, you know, youth shooting teams and budget and schedule and traveling and all that. That Yes, absolutely, that's all valid. But it's not part of this conversation. It's no. not It's not what we're stressing. That, that's a whole other ball of wax. And, and we didn't yes. want to go down that rabbit hole. We could talk about that for, for days. but uh, We can have its own separate series. Yeah, we're, we're talking about what I think most of our listeners can relate to. Right. Absolutely. Um, so d- let's just sum it up with this. Understand which category you're in. Understand what it's going to take to move to the next category if you choose to do so. If you choose to. There's nothing wrong with any one of those categories. David himself said it. There's yeah. nothing wrong with any one of those categories. Yeah. Um, you know, understanding that having goals in each of the four categories, even if you're only a category one shooter, have a goal. Because that's going to maximize your experience 
in this sport that we love so much. I mean, that's what, listen, if you, if you're this far into this podcast, you love the sport of sporting clays or you wouldn't be this far in this podcast. That's right. So set yourself some goals, but you know what? We're going to get into that in the next episode. Sean, Alex. we're going to talk about setting goals. Yeah. But I think we did a good job in my opinion. And again, we bounced this off a lot of different people in the industry and a lot of shooters and a lot of stuff. And we were kind of uncertain as to whether or not, Jason and I had enough knowledge to speak on this correctly, but I think at this point we do. We've we've been well, around, we've traveled around, we've talked to a, the the thing that we have that most other shooters don't have is this podcast, and with this podcast yeah. has given us a a great insight to things that we probably would have never learned any other way. I can tell you, on average, for every hour of content that's uh, that's produced and released on this, there's probably another. 20 to 30 hours of conversation with that same person. Yeah. Or that's on average. Okay. You know, I mean, trust me if, well, we won't go down that rabbit hole. I'm going to say, if you want to look at my Verizon bill to Chad Roberts, (laughs) so, uh, but no, what I'm getting at is we're not trying to say we know more than somebody else, No, but we are trying to say that we hope that we have been able to break down everything in a manner to help you understand, to help you look in the mirror a little bit, understand which category you're in, what it's going to take to move to the next category, if that's what you choose to do. Yeah, if you're happy at a level two, fine. Who's to argue? Like David said, that is a very personal choice and only a choice that you can make. Right. But if you're a level two and you want to be a level four, you need to be aware of the challenges and the work and the sacrifices that you have to make to get there. Exactly. So there's no use, you know, making a pipe dream about something if you really don't have the realistic means to get there. That's right. So, and and again, this is just a prelude to everything else we're going to be talking about in this series, um, the path. And uh, this is kind of a primer. Hopefully this was interesting for everybody to listen to. Don't send us hate mail. Don't tell us that, you know, you're the greatest world shooter shooting an 870 and, you know, you can whip Anthony's and David's butt all day because it's fine. Whatever. There's always going to be exceptions to the rule. But this is a generalization, and it's a broad brushstroke across the sport. I think we're doing a fair analysis for what we're doing and how we've categorized shooters here. Yep. We may have left out that level five, but again, only David or somebody like David can comment on a level five. <laughs> right. so, so we're not going down that hole. Yeah, so uh, coming up next is uh, setting goals. That'll be part two of the path. Um, Sean, do we? I don't think we have a release date yet for that. I'm hoping somewhere around the first of December, uh, first couple weeks of December, yeah, early December, we'll be able to get that out. Um, until then, we've got lots of great content coming to you. Uh, Sean, Alley, what do we tell everybody every week? Well, you know, no matter what category you're in, take somebody out, take them shooting. Go to a tournament. Uh, show them how much fun this sport is. I mean, we all love it. We're all ate up by it. Get them started it's, in Category 1. Yeah, if, they, if they're if they already there, get them started in Category 2. And if they're on the fast track to go to Category 4, then you know, more power to them. Yes. Uh, but uh, until that time, enjoy the sport. Have fun because that's the most important thing at all, of all. Absolutely. And until next week. Can't wait to see you all back here on the Dead Pair Podcast. We'll see you next time on the Dead Pair Podcast. The Dead Pair. The Dead Pair Podcast is energized by KLMO Game Boy US. The Dead Pair theme song was written, arranged, and produced by Toby Tompley. Special thanks to the following sponsors. Bear Pelt, Negrini, Rhino, Otopro, Don Grant, Atlas Trap Company, RE Ranger, Wooly Shooting, Folded Wing Apparel Company, and White Flyer Targets. <laughs> <laughs>